Section 35 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies, An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases, by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombow. Homicide, Part 12, The Goss Utterzook Tragedy, Part 11. Samuel Reeve. I reside in New York. Am a jeweler by trade. I knew A.C. Wilson when I boarded with Mrs. Toombs in Newark. I knew him from five to seven months. I saw him every day during the time I was there, which was from the day after Thanksgiving until the second week in April. He was a stout, broad-shouldered man, round, full chest, very straight back. I should think his height five feet eight to nine inches, weight from 180 to 190 pounds, and from 35 to 40 years of age. He had dark hair, side whiskers, and mustache. His chin was shaved. His eyes were dark. I roomed with him from the first night he came, and as long as I remained. I roomed with him after we moved. He had a valise, all the baggage I ever saw. The valise heretofore introduced in evidence was where witness saw it. It was very much like that one. I think that is the valise. I have seen it opened, and I know the partition inside of his valise was broken. He used to drink to excess. I have seen him pretty tight several times. I saw and examined his finger ring several times while he was there. He asked me once or twice how much the ring was worth and how much he could obtain by pawning it. Ring exhibited to and identified by witness. The court. How are you able to identify that? Answer. The ring Wilson had had a stone of the same material and of the same size and had a beating from the setting around the finger to the setting. The stone was set in the same manner as this. Usually the setting, from the stone, flanges, is not square. This one is neither square nor slanting. I have seen an invention of his, the model of a revolving double-ratchet screwdriver. I have had it in my hands and examined it. I have seen him write letters in our room. Sometimes he gave the letters to me to mail for him in New York. I remember the address of A.C. Goss, Baltimore, upon the letters. I do not remember the street and number. I sent for him a package by Adams Express from New York to Baltimore. It appeared like a newspaper rolled up in brown paper. It was addressed to A.C. Goss, Baltimore. He asked me to express it from New York. I worked in New York and went back and forth every day. He had a pair of eyeglasses which he used to wear fastened to a black cord. I never saw him use them to place them on his eyes the Goss Langley picture handed to witness. The gentleman standing is Wilson. Franklin E. Mills. I reside in Newark, was acquainted with A.C. Wilson at Mrs. Toombs's boarding house. I knew him while I was there, which was from about the 15th of February to the 1st of April, 1873. He was a full-chested, broad-shouldered man, dark hair, slightly mixed with gray, side whiskers, and mustache. I have mailed letters for him directed to A.C. Goss, Baltimore. I mailed them in New York at his request. 
James R. Williams. I reside in New York City, am a manufacturer of jewelry by occupation. I knew A.C. Wilson in Newark, from the middle of May until the time he went away in June. I saw him leave Newark. He left in the evening of the 25th of June. I saw and examined his ring. The ring shown to witness. That is the ring. I recognize it because it is what is called a fine bloodstone, and it is a peculiarly made ring. I never saw any other ring made as this is, and I have been in the business some years. From the shank of the ring to the top of the head it is unusually flat. An American-made ring is usually higher. The stone is square, and the setting should be square with it. It is not so, however. The corners of the setting are rounded. The Goss Langley photograph exhibited to witness. I recognize the tall person who in the picture is standing as A.C. Wilson. Cross-examination. An American-made ring is usually higher, that is to say, this is flat for an American ring. I spoke of this fact when the ring was first shown to me by Wilson. I made the remark that the ring was probably made in America by an Englishman. The stone is not uncommon. The only peculiarity I noticed about the ring is in its manufacture. The reason I took so much notice of that ring is because I was asked to buy it, and consequently I examined it thoroughly. The head of the ring, that is, the stone and setting combined, is low for an American-made ring. The English workmen make the head lower than we do, so that the ring may be worn with a glove. I should judge, as an expert, this ring was made to order, because of its peculiar make, rather than made in the usual ordinary course of manufacture. It is not a good piece of workmanship, nor a fine piece of jewelry. Augustus J. Sauron. I reside in New York City, am a carriage painter. I knew A.C. Wilson all the time he was at Mrs. Toombs's boarding house. I boarded there myself and saw him nearly every day. Witness identifies the photographic picture of the man standing by the side of Langley as A.C. Wilson. Two or three weeks before he left, he borrowed a pair of boots from me to wear while he was having his shoes repaired. I saw his shoes. They were Congress gaiters. He had them half-soled, and he showed them to me after they had been repaired. The shoes heretofore introduced in evidence exhibited to witness. These shoes look like the same ones, but I would not swear positively they were the same. I have before seen the prisoner at the bar. I saw him in Newark at the house of Mrs. Toombs one Sunday morning. I heard the bell ring at the door and heard Mr. Toombs call Mr. Wilson. I heard Mr. Wilson open the door to say to Utterzook, Hello, Doc! And Utterzook answered, Hello, Sandy! I occupied the same room with Wilson at the time. I was in bed, but could see them both. They soon went out of the room, and I did not see them again until at breakfast. Cross-examination. I occupied the same room with Wilson about two months, the latter part of the time he was there. Edwin Sutton. I reside in New York City, am a manufacturing jeweler by trade, have been in the business fifteen years. I knew A.C. Wilson about four months at the house of Mrs. Toombs in Newark. I roomed with him about one month. 
photograph heretofore offered in evidence handed to witness. The person standing in this picture I recognize as A.C. Wilson. I have seen him have a finger ring. Ring handed to witness. This is the ring which I have seen A.C. Wilson wear. I recognize it by the beating running all the way around the shank, and by the peculiar shape of the head and setting. The stone is an oblong square, while the setting is not square, but rounded at the corners. He showed me the ring to know what it was worth, and I examined it at the time. I have seen him write, but never examined his writing. I once posted a paper for him, mailing it at Station C, New York City. It was addressed to an attorney at law, Baltimore, Maryland. I saw an invention of his. It was a wooden model of a screwdriver, with a revolving handle working with a double ratchet. I have seen the prisoner at the bar. I saw him in Mr. Wilson's room at Mrs. Toombs' house on the 11th day of May, 1873. Wilson introduced the prisoner to me as Mr. Mullen. He asked me about the trains to New York. I did not see them again until evening. Wilson called the prisoner doctor when he spoke to him. Cross-examined. I should think this ring was made to order, because I never before saw one with a beating all round, and with the setting rounded off at the corners when it should be perfectly square. When Wilson showed me the ring, I noticed it had been mended by soldering upon the inside of the shank. Mrs. Mullen recalled. Mr. Hayes. I propose to show this witness a promissory note dated Cooperstown, September 20th, 1872, signed by Henry Rupel, in favor of witness for $75. Look at that paper and say what you have to say of it. Who wrote it? Answer. Mr. A.C. Wilson. I saw him write it. I requested him to write it for me, and he wrote it in my presence. Michael O'Donnell. I reside in New York City, am a manufacturing jeweler. I knew A.C. Wilson from the first week in January 1873 until he left Mrs. Toombs's, where we both boarded at the time. At one time I roomed with him. He had a valise with him. To the best of my recollection, this valise now shown to me is the same valise Wilson had. Photograph heretofore introduced, handed to witness. The gentleman standing I recognize as A.C. Wilson. I saw the prisoner at the bar on the 11th day of May at Mrs. Toombs's boarding house. I first saw him there at breakfast. Mr. Wilson called the prisoner Doc and introduced him to me as Mr. Mullen. Wilson wore eyeglasses upon a round black cord which was around his neck. I never saw him use the glasses to look through. I have seen him read and write. I once asked him for a button, and he said, Why don't you get buttons put on like mine? And he showed me that the buttons upon his pantaloons were riveted on. In the afternoon of the day he went away, I gave him a bone-collar button, or stud, I had had the button some eighteen months before I gave it to him. The button looked as though it had been smoked. It was of a brownish color. When I gave it to him, he put it in the collar band of his shirt and buttoned his collar with it. Question. Look at this button and give us your opinion about it. Answer. That is the same button I gave to Wilson, to the best of my recollection. Cross-examined. 
I gave him the button because I had made myself a gold one, and was putting the gold one in my shirt, when he asked me for the bone button, and I gave it to him. He at once put the button or stud into his shirt collar band. I bought the bone button in New York, at a place where there were many more. It was discolored when I bought it, just the same tinge to it as it has now. The prosecution offered to show by this witness that Wilson had stated himself interested in an insurance suit, which at first he was afraid he would lose. If they succeeded, his share was to be $15,000. Wilson subsequently told witness that the suit had been successful, and endeavored to induce the witness to join him in a scheme to cheat the insurance companies, saying it would be very easy to do so by effecting an insurance upon his, Wilson's, life, and then he would disappear and go to Europe. The offer was made to show that such a suit was actually progressing in Baltimore. The court said the transaction was a fact, but this was a declaration of the deceased and could not be admitted as yet. If a fraudulent combination be proven, then it might be. At present, it could not be admitted. Benjamin C. Norris. I reside in Newark, am a house builder by occupation. I knew a man who called himself A.C. Wilson, who boarded with Mrs. Toombs. The witness was shown the photograph. The one standing resembles the gentleman whom I knew as A.C. Wilson. He at one time called my attention to a pair of pants he had. The pants were much worn. They were a light-colored brown pants. The seat of them was darned very much. He darned them with a needle and thread. A pair of pantaloons handed to witness. I think these are the pants. It looks like them at all events. There is the darning. I am able to say they are the same pants. I last saw them in his room. He had his valise lying on the bed, lying open, and he was about taking it up to go away. He had no room in his valise to put them. Mrs. Toombs recalled. When Mr. Wilson went away from my house last June, he left a coat and a pair of pantaloons. They were light-colored pantaloons. Same pantaloons as shown to previous witness were handed to this witness. I think these are the same ones Mr. Wilson left there. I recognize them by this darning which I saw him do. I noticed it at the time and spoke to him about it. His coat was a long black frock coat. It was an old coat. Handing witness a black cloth coat. This is the same coat. Augustus J. Saurin recalled. Mr. Wilson left a pair of old pantaloons and an old coat when he went away from Mrs. Toombs's house. They were light-colored pantaloons with brown spots in them. He offered them to me to work in as overalls. I never used them. I was rooming with him when he went away. The coat and pantaloons heretofore introduced were shown to witness. These are the same pants that he gave to me, and this is the very same kind of coat he had. It was left in the room when he went away. Louis Engel recalled. I have testified before, and stated that Winfield S. Goss formerly boarded in our family. When Mr. Goss was living at our house, he had a pair of light pantaloons mixed with brown, and a vest of the same color. The pants had a welt in the side. 
I was with him almost every day, and he wore those pants then. He was boarding with us about four months, and he wore those pants most all of that time. The pantaloons shown to previous witness were shown to this witness. To the best of my recollection, these are the same pantaloons. Cross-examination. When Mr. Goss boarded with us, it was in the summer of 1871. I do not remember the color of the pantaloons which my father or my brother wore that summer. Question. Now, what is your particular reason for remembering the color of Mr. Goss's pantaloons in that summer, when you do not remember the color of your father's or your brother's? Answer. Because his wife wanted me, at one time, to help her wash these pantaloons, and she washed them, and I helped her to do it. I never washed my father's, my brother's, nor my own pantaloons. I noticed the welt on the side then. Mr. Litzenberg recalled. I have said that Mr. Wilson boarded with me a week or ten days at my place in Athensville. When he went away, he left a coat there. It was a dark frock coat. It was long-waisted with short skirts. A coat handed to witness. I believe this to be the coat he left at my place. Mr. Sutton recalled. Mr. Wilson had a pair of light-colored pantaloons when he boarded at Mrs. Toombs's house, and when I roomed with him, I noticed they were darned considerably in the seat, and that they were rather short for him when he wore them. John W. Butler. I reside in Baltimore, am a manufacturer of woodwork. I knew Winfield S. Goss several years, was well acquainted with him. He showed me a screwdriver with a ratchet attachment. It was some time ago. According to my recollection, it was made of wood. It was so made you could keep firm hold of the handle in using it, as the driver would catch on the ratchet. It was between 1869 and 1871 that he showed it to me. I have corresponded with Winfield S. Goss, receiving letters from him and answering them. We corresponded through two or three years. I used to know his handwriting quite well. I think I would know it now. Cross-examined. I have none of his letters now. I destroyed them years ago. Witness was closely examined by Mr. McVeigh as to his competency to testify upon the handwriting of W.S. Goss, and on completing his examination, Mr. McVeigh remarked, I think he is competent to testify on this subject. Redirect. A letter addressed to Mr. Steele was declared by the witness to be the handwriting of W.S. Goss. Another letter, without address or date, signed W.S. Goss, was also declared the same handwriting. A letter signed A.C. Wilson, written to S.R. Downs, dated Newark, June 19, 1873, was declared by the witness to be the same handwriting. In reference to the letter, the witness said it was a little more difficult to keep out of mind the other letters before him, which are signed by Goss, but in looking at the character of the handwriting signed A.C. Wilson, and trying to carry in his mind the character of the handwriting of Goss, he recognized it as Goss's handwriting. It was his judgment that Goss wrote it. A letter was shown witness, dated New York, January 3, 1872, signed A.C. Wilson, written to David R. Mullen, Cooperstown, Pennsylvania, 
in examining which the witness said that in his judgment it was the handwriting of W.S. Goss. The signatures of A.C. Wilson, to sundry papers heretofore introduced in evidence, were shown to witness, who said he could only speak of them by comparison. They appeared to be Goss's handwriting. Of the signature in the register of the Central Hotel at Philadelphia, under date of Friday, June 21, 1872, the witness said he should take that to be written by Goss. End of section 35